I'm Nicole Nalepa, and you're listening to Mommyhood Unscripted, real talk about moms for moms. Welcome back to another great episode of Mommyhood Unscripted. And this episode is all about the holidays because as parents, we can get so overwhelmed with everything that's going on. And that is why I called in our friend psychologist, Dr. Laura Saunders, who is the director at the Center for Gender Health at the Institute of Living at Hartford Healthcare in Hartford, Connecticut. And uh, she's here this morning to help us all manage some of those expectations that come up at this time of the year and let us know, give us some tips on how how we can communicate better with our kids in particular. So thanks for being here, Dr. Saunders. Thank you for having me, Nicole. All right. So first things first, we get so overwhelmed at this time of the year. You know, as adults, we get stressed from all the parties, from all the, you know, the the wish lists, right, for the gifts, et cetera, et cetera. I can't even imagine how kids are feeling, especially those kids who have a hard time and they're not developmentally there yet on like articulating their feelings and the stress that they're probably picking up off of their parents. So uh, where do we begin with all this? What I the place that I like to start is is instilling a little bit of confidence in the parents in that parents know their children. Mm-hmm. Right. And especially when you have more than one child, you know that child A reacts differently than child B. Child A might be a little bit more anxious, might need a little bit more uh, clear communication, a little bit more structure. And you always look at things on the developmental spectrum. So younger children need more concrete, direct communication, whereas older children might still need a lot of concrete, direct communication. They just reject a lot of it. So so it makes it a little bit harder. Um, but the holidays are a time where so many people have expectations. And I think that's what makes this a tipping point, right? In in September, what are your expectations? Okay, you got to start to adjust to school. You know, in, in July, what are your expectations? Uh, just have a fun day, right? This is a time filled with so many expectations. As adults, we have expectations. As parents, we have expectations. Our children have expectations. And obviously, the older they get, the more expectations they have. And the less they communicate what those expectations are, the more we have to guess what, they're, what they want and what they expect. And it really makes for a lot of difficulties. Right. Yeah. Because we can't read their minds, unfortunately. (laughs) I wish we could because we can handle so many more situations a lot better than uh, sometimes when we're in those moments, right? We're like, I don't know. Am I doing this wrong? And then you're hard on yourself, right? Yeah. The worst thing I think, and I think, you know, certainly for me, I had to, you know, my children are young adults now, but when they were younger, I had to just be comfortable managing guilt. Right. So I was a working parent and, you know, there were so many different things that, that you had to manage. So I had to learn how to befriend guilt. So mm. guilt was a constant part of my existence. And so it was about acknowledging it. Um, it was uh, about not letting guilt turn into shame because shame mm. is a much more like internalized process. Guilt is generally more about behavior like oh, I was a little bit late to school today. I hope the teachers don't think I'm a terrible parent. Or, you know, I've, you know, uh, there's a, a part in my, one of my kids has to go to a party and oh, I'm really behind buying the gift. So I brought the gift at the end of the party, not at the beginning of the party, right? We're always managing guilt. So it's not letting that guilt turn into shame. And I think, you know, the one of the 
really important things is really doing our best about communicating. And I say all the time, parenting's the hardest job in the world. So we just need to figure out a way to do our best, self-correct mistakes that we may have made yesterday. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to correct all the mistakes. So if you focus on making one change, that's all you can do. Um, but it really is having a better focus on communication. Mm, yeah. And I like what you said there. Again, I'm just going to reiterate, befriending guilt. Guilt needs to be your friend. I like that. So um, on to communication. What are some tips, some tricks that you have in your bag that you can pull out and share with us on how we can better communicate with our kids during this time? So the first thing is because we, um, as a generation of parents, feel guilty a lot of the time, it we generally have a harder time saying no, right? Because that instills our guilt. I'm denying my child something or I'm not giving them something that maybe I did or didn't have. Um, you know, uh, the parenting magazine says 76% of parents know that their children are spoiled and they still feel guilty. Um, <laughs> so it's really about being comfortable saying no and setting limits. Um, sometimes you can use distraction. It doesn't have to be no, 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 no. But you know, you know, when they say I want a cookie before dinner, it's not no, you don't get cookies before dinner. It's I understand you're hungry. How about some carrots before we eat dinner? Right. So it's it's you're still setting a limit. I'm not going to give you a cookie before dinner. Right. But at the same time, it's acknowledging and understanding what the underlying communication is. Right. And and, you know, sort of shifting the focus and then moving forward. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting. It came to my mind when you were talking about, you know, those of us who are trying to give our kids maybe something that we didn't have before. Isn't it funny around the holiday season? It's in a way we're trying to make it about everyone else, but it really comes down selfishly to our own experiences, right? Growing up as a kid and you hear so many times, you know, I didn't have anything, you know, my parents didn't have anything. And and then those parents that buy 50 billion presents for their kids because they out of that guilt, you know, like that they don't want their kids to have the experience that they did. But I, I just wish I could like hold these parents and say like, your experience is never going to be your kid's experience. It's so different, right? It really is very hard. And that's, and that's where, you know, I think guilt does play a role. So it tends to be one extreme or the other, either, you know, I felt like I had great things in my childhood, and I want to recreate all those things exactly how I had them. Yeah. Or B, felt that there was a lot of um, deficiencies or things weren't the way that I wanted them. I had a lot of unhappiness in my childhood. And I want to compensate, right? And so then mm-hmm. compensate sometimes becomes overcompensate. So so it, it it tends to go one of two dynamics. And I think really the important thing is just acknowledging mm-hmm. the baggage that we all as parents come into this with. We all come in with our own upbringing, our own emotional baggage. And it's acknowledging that and saying like, why am I doing this? Like, why am right. I doing this? Because... I can I can logically say in my mind this is not going to be helpful to get them you know thirty five presents for for Christmas when they're not never going to play with thirty five presents right because I got no presents right. or I got one present right and I knew all the kids in my block got many presents so now I'm overcompensating so it's really just about acknowledging you know the the emotional baggage that we may come into something with and then 
not trying to recreate it or overcompensate. Mm-hmm. You know what we're doing this year for our son from uh, from us? We're doing something you want, something you need, something you wear, and something you read. So that's kind of how we're going to organize going forward because it does get very overwhelming with gifts and then from family and, you know, um, they get overwhelmed too. Like you said, the expectations, you know, you want things to go a certain way and perfect and everything and it's more pressure and you end up getting disappointed when there's expectations (laughs) into play, right? Right. The expectations lead to anxiety, stress and disappointment and guilt, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's about keeping expectations limited whenever possible. Mm -hmm. And what about keeping our kids' emotions in check? How can we help them regulate those emotions that come up? So there's that emotional um, transfer goes two ways, right? It's really about our helping our children manage their emotions, which means being clear on our part. And I think in in many ways, it's trying to keep sort of structure and routine as much as possible. It doesn't mean you, you know, if you go to a family party, you might stay up a little late. I'm certainly not you know, saying we can't ever make any changes. Um, But at the same time, for the most part, it's really about keeping the routines and realizing that it's our expectations raise our emotional level as well. um, And things inevitably go wrong. Mm -hmm. And then we get really upset. You know, our child makes a mistake, our child does something that's, that's upsetting to us. And they may get out of control their emotional arousal may go up and if our emotional arousal goes up too it creates much more of a catastrophic setting um and listen it's happened to all of us Mm -hmm. right our child's upset we're upset there's yelling there's you know there's but i will tell you that nothing effective happens when everyone is upset no one's listening no one's communicating clearly and no one's no one's using words that are going to help Uh, make a situation better during those times. Right. I keep seeing on social media, all the, you know, parenting tips and advice and stuff. And it says, you know, if your kid is yelling and you're telling your kid to be quiet and you're yelling back at them to stop yelling, that's not going to make sense in their brain. (laughs) And it makes sense when you see that. (laughs) Right. It does. It doesn't because, because I call it emotional arousal, right? So when your emotional arousal is high, you are not processing information. So, and it always is ironic if your child's yelling or or crying out loud and you're screaming at them, be quiet, right? Nothing effective is happening. So in those situations, it's stepping back. It's taking a deep breath. I had an example recently of a parent who was very, very upset with what their middle schooler had done, very upset. And um, they actually took time to think through what they wanted to say and not just come running into the into their room and screaming at them. They took time and they felt good because the overall conversation turned out much better because they thought through what they wanted to say. They kept their emotions in check. And I mean, you know, the child had done something pretty egregious. So mm-hmm. that didn't change that situation. But they felt that the way that they handled it was so much better because all we have control over in some of those situations is we don't necessarily have control over the feelings that arise. But we have, we do have some control, and we can exert some control over how we react to things. Mm-hmm. So it's being a little bit more mindful about how we react, and and knowing that 
you know, the way I handled it last time wasn't so good. So I want to do something differently this time. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good advice. I know my son is being taught in his preschool class about like, you know, taking those deep belly breaths and stuff. So I'm like, that's great. We don't always implement them and use them when I ask him to, when he's having those high emotions, but we're working on it. (laughs) Right. Because actually when your emotion level's high, it's very hard to engage any kind of coping skill. It's, it's actually, you know, when we know our children, we see the steps towards escalation. It's trying to intervene in one of those earlier steps. And that's when that deep breath can be really helpful because it slows down your thinking. It sends oxygen through your part and your brain. And that's when it really becomes much more effective. Mm-hmm. And what about the positive and pro-social behaviors that you want from your child in these situations? And what you don't want to so, see. <laughs> so often what we do is we see the things that they're doing wrong or we see the things that are going wrong. And that's what we that we talk about and emphasize. You know, you never pick up your laundry. You never put your dish in the sink. You never empty the dish. Right. So we're focusing all on the, all the negative things. Mm-hmm. And what we know in psychology is that positive attention for pro-social behaviors is far more reinforcing than focusing on the negative. So it's finding ways to um, to focus on what you want to see and give attention to the behaviors that you want, as opposed to the behaviors that are that you don't want. Right. So I've used the example like instead, you know, don't stop hitting your sister. It's in this house we use safe hands and safe feet. Right. So it's really focusing on being more positive in in our language, because that's the behavior that we want to see instead of focusing on all the negative things. And if that's not working, is it true that like removing them from the situation, like, you know, in a quiet, calm manner is the best, like the next step? Yes. I mean, I mean, that technically that's what a timeout is, right? A timeout is time away from stimulation. That's really what it means. So it's just removing yourself from, from stimulation um, as a way to to try and let everyone's emotions, you know, lower down, mm-hmm. you know, and it just it. I think for parents, often it's creating habits, right? Mm. And what sometimes we get into like this kind of blame game, like you never do this and you never do that, as opposed to stating things in a way that sets up the expectation. For example, you know. Uh, finished dishes belong in the sink. That's a very different communication than you never put your dish in the sink. You're lazy. You're, you know, so uh, mm. finished dishes belong in the sink. Clothes that have already been worn belong in the laundry basket. So I, I actually use um, it's uh, Faber and Maslish uh, how to talk. So kids will listen and listen. So kids will talk. It's a great, pri- it's a very old book, but it's mm-hmm. a great primer and very easy to read on how to just make some changes in our communication. Okay. And what was the name of that book again? Yep. How to, how to talk so kids will listen and listen so kids will talk by Adele Faber and Elaine Maslish. Thank you. Oh, I'm going to have to put that on, on my list of books to read during Christmas vacation. <laughs> yes. It's really good. It's got a lot of great examples, so it really helps you. Yeah. And then you can start applying them when your kids are home during Christmas break. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, And what about, you know, healthy ways to apologize and manage our conflicts? Because it's inevitable. It's going to happen. We're going to have disagreements. We're going to have conflicts, especially when you're getting together with all this family and all these friends around this time of the year. We all 
have conflicts. And we all have moments where we do not handle things to the best of our ability. Um, and I think one of the important things to remember as parents is that it's not that we won't get into conflicts. It's not that we won't handle things well at times. The, the strength of the relationship really is in the repair, mm. right? So it's about repairing the relationship. It's not that we've damaged the relationship irreparably. I mean, if you think about it, it's like a muscle, right? How does a muscle grow stronger? It's by, you know, kind of tearing at the fibers and using it. And, and that's how it grows stronger. So a conflict doesn't have to mean fighting. And, it, and what it can mean is that we can take our disagreements and our conflicts and we can model being the bigger person and saying, you know what, the way I handled that yesterday was not my best self. And I just want to apologize to you. I'm going to do my best to manage things differently next time. Um, it doesn't really matter what the conflict is, but we can recover and and manage it in a different and more healthy and productive way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's important. And to, yeah, to acknowledge that we're human and we're going to make mistakes too as parents. So it's okay to apologize to our kids too, if we yelled or did something so they know that we see them and we acknowledge them, right? Yeah. And, and I mean, to have them do that between siblings also, right? Yeah. To have, you know, the, what, what you said to your brother was just really very, very mean. So I would like you to apologize to your brother. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's teaching our children through modeling, but teaching our children that it actually is the repair of the relationship that builds its strength. It's not that we will never do anything wrong or Mm -hmm. never say anything wrong. Right, right. Even with like my husband, if we have a disagreement or something and the kids are within earshot, like we always, after we, you know, we're, we're settling the dust and stuff. We give each other a hug. So we want the kids to know like mommy and daddy are good. Like we're, we're not going to always agree on things, but kind of like right. seal the deal and let them know like everything's okay. <laughs> right. And that's that, that's the repair, right? Mm-hmm. That it's in that it's the strength is in the repair. The strength right. of the relationship is in the repair. So mm-hmm. the more you can show that we had a disagreement, we got upset, but now we're ready to repair it that's really an important message that you're modeling. Mm -hmm. And we so appreciate these tips, Dr. Laura Saunders. uh, She is the director at the Center for Gender Health at the Institute of Living at Hartford Healthcare in Hartford, Connecticut. And you can head on to their website for more information on how you can contact her. I appreciate it. And happy holidays to you. Happy holidays, Nicole. Take care. Thank you. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe to Mommyhood Unscripted. Share it with your friends, too. It's available on iTunes, Google Play, Roku, and everywhere else you get your podcast. I'm Nicole Maleppa. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, Mama, you're doing great.